Hello and welcome to episode 114 of The Brand Lounge, where every Thursday we feature insightful brand stories to showcase the hundreds of ways that businesses are started, the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur, and to encourage you to build your business your way. I'm Tammy Heels, your host and founder of Shadowcat Creative, where I'm a personal brand and marketing consultant. And today I'm joined once again by Kate Browning, an online business support manager and mentor for virtual assistants at her business, Cherry Blossom Management. Welcome back to the show, Kate. And in the last episode, listeners, Kate and I talked about planning for busier times in business, and it was really full of great practical advice that you can implement. So be sure to pop that one on the playlist next if you missed it. But today, Kate, we're talking all about you and your business, and I'm really excited for this episode. So Kate and I have known each other for a couple of years now. We knew each other before you actually had your own business, and I worked with you in your corporate role as a in my business so it's (laughs) it's been really fun to see the journey that you've gone on but I also know that there's so much that happens in businesses that we don't always share and people don't always know the whole story like so it's going to be a fun conversation to have I think yeah I'm really excited Perfect. So let's kick off the episode as we always do with where the idea for your business started. Like, what was it that inspired you to start? So sometimes I find this a really loaded question. Like, it's it's your. There are lots of reasons why. And for me, it was I'd got to a point where I was done working for other people that perhaps weren't great people managers. I was done working and doing jobs that I didn't enjoy. I was done working 60 hours plus a week and slugging and not having time for self-care and time for me so I I got to that point where I was like I'm done doing this how do I solve this problem I become my own boss and now I have the best boss ever because that's me and if stuff doesn't get done that's my responsibility but I, I love the fact that I being a natural control freak I love I now have full control over it. I love that. So was there a particular trigger point or anything that happened where you were like, you know what, this is this is the last straw. I'm done. Was there? Yeah. Nodding away. Share. Share with us. (laughs) Absolutely. So the role uh, that I was in previously, although I loved what I did, there was a lot of politics uh, around the role um, and not a lot of people management skills from the powers that be above. And they pushed their luck just a little bit too far because I'm the type of person that when I do something, I love what I do and I will put blood, sweat and tears into it and I will bend over backwards for you and I will do my best for you because I genuinely like to help people. I like to support people. It makes me happy. And I did that in my previous role and it just was not appreciated in the slightest and it wasn't having the impact I wanted it to have. And I phoned my husband on my lunch break and said, I can't take this anymore. I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if I'm getting a job. I don't know what I'm doing, but I just have to hand in my resignation because I was on a three month notice period being in management. And I just said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I I need to leave and I need to leave now. I know that I've got three months ahead. So he's like, do it. We'll deal with it. And I just handed my resignation in that day. And I was like, I am done. But I had that three month period of what do I do next? And at the time when I resigned, I didn't plan to jump in and run my own business. I've always wanted to own my own business and be my own boss. 
but there's never a right time to give up that you know comfy salary and holiday pay and sick pay there's never a right time for that is there and I had no savings and no plan so there was no there was no backup plan I was looking at all these jobs that I could have applied for and I was thinking that job sounds great but what if the manager's crap what if I end up working in the same situation doing something that I like but being underappreciated undervalued and overworked and I thought, oh, no, I, I'm done with that. And the only solution to this is to set up my own business. And again, at the time, I was like, right, I'm going to be my own business. What am I going to do? I didn't know. I, I, because my background is so varied, you know, I've, I've worked in finance. I've been a wedding and event planner. I've been a PA and office manager and executive assistant. I have been a regional manager for a national charity. My background is so varied because... I like to think of myself, I, sounds, I don't I hate the way this sounds. I consider myself an entrepreneur. I can put my hand to many things and I won't always want to be the same thing. I like to do different things. I like variety. And I've done so many things. I was like, how do I turn that into a business? So I cherry picked my favorite aspects of what I've done previously, played to my skill set and set up a virtual assistant business. And not only does it pay to my experience, but it also plays to what makes me happy, supporting people, celebrating other people's success, lifting up. I love that. It genuinely makes my heart sing. So I've combined my experience with what makes me happy. Amazing. I love that. I love that story. I'm going to ask a bit of a cheeky question and you can say no if you want and we'll just edit it out like it never happened. (laughs) Okay. But you are very similar to me. And when I left my job, I found that I had left a job that I was working. I was working with my job and with my business, like 80, 90 hour weeks Mm -hmm. um, and more. And I found that when I left my job, I still was working these exceptionally long hours because it was what I had been used to. So I'm curious to know, I know that from the last episode you were sharing how you now work four days a week the aim is to work three days a week you have a team but that wasn't the case from the beginning so when you went from this job where you were working really long hours um, a lot of the time did you find that you carried that over to your self-employed world and how have you kind of handled that because I feel like it's more common than people realize 100% so I was probably I was getting paid for 40 hours a week but I was working 60 70 hours a week plus and then when I announced to my network because I'd spent so much time networking in my previous role I had a really strong network that's how we met yeah absolutely and that, when I said to people I'm setting up my own business they're like before I even said what I was doing like, I want to work with you so I already had a list of clients before I even started which is a really lovely thing to have so I went in super busy straight away and most people think oh that's amazing you know that's great and it is good because it brought in an income and established my business but it then meant I went back to working 60 70 hours a week I worked seven days a week for the first four months of my business I didn't have a day off and I ended up after about six months starting to almost burn out because I it's not maintainable to work like that I fell into the trap of Being busy means you're successful and you're good and you have to say yes to everyone and you have to take every job because it's putting, you know, food on the table and hustle, hustle, hustle. So when I first started, I was in that mindset of you must be busy. You must say yes to everything. You must work all the hours. Must prove yourself because you've decided to do this. So, yeah, I have to (laughs) succeed because there are lots of people that think, oh, this is just a hobby or a temporary fix. Or uh, I have that quite a lot. 
So although my husband was mega, mega supportive, so I was really lucky with that. But I fell into that trap of corporate and, you know, working and hustling. And it got to the point where my business had grown so quickly that I needed to have a team earlier than I expected. So my plan was within 12 months to take on my first associate. Within six months, I needed an associate. I was desperate. I couldn't take on any more clients. I was at my maximum capacity. But because I hadn't planned for that, like we said in the previous episode, that plan when you're not busy, I then, it took me longer to find an associate. It took me longer to recruit the right person, to train them, to have all the contracts in place and all of that. It took me way longer. And it was the lesson that I learned is that COVID was a curse and a blessing because it was in March 2020 last year where I was at that point where I was trying to find an associate because I was desperate I was burning out and I was exhausted and I was hating what I was doing because I was just knackered and unhappy all the time and then when Covid hit I lost 70% of my clients in about two weeks so not only did I not need that associate anymore I now had lots and lots of free time and it encouraged me to go back to that looking at self-care and what my why was, which was to work less, not more, and was to be more financially secure and to have time to focus on me and self-care because I also have underlying health conditions like fibromyalgia that limit my working. And it was COVID that forced me into it. And then when I recovered from COVID and my clients came back and I got busier about six months later, I then made sure I incorporated that into my everyday, but I did exactly what you said to start with, seven days a week working. But I think I think a lot of the time we have to make these stupid mistakes to learn from them. And if, if you see it as it wasn't a mistake, it wasn't an error, it was an opportunity to learn how not to do something and what doesn't work for me. If you turn it into a learning opportunity and actually learn from it, don't make that mistake again, and I haven't, then it can only add to your business and to your well-being and your growth. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's really funny because whenever someone else says, you know, it's it's a learning opportunity, I'm like, you're absolutely right. But when I do it, I'm just like, oh, what are you on about? Shut up, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> like to myself, because I'm like, well, you know, I never sit there and go, this is an opportunity to learn because we've made a boo-boo. Instead, it's just like, oh, for goodness why sake. Did I, why did I bloody do that? Yeah. Not again, Tam. What are you doing? <laughs> but yeah, and I think that it is important to have these conversations and share these stories. It's literally why this podcast is here because there are so many people out there who probably go from, I feel overworked and underappreciated in my job. I'm doing overtime. I'm working extra days. I'm doing extra shifts. I'm not taking lunch breaks, blah, blah, blah. Start their own business for the freedom and time freedom, slightly in air quotes, because that's what we're aiming for, but it's not what we get straight away. Yeah. It's not something that we get straight away unless we actually set ourselves up to do that. But you're lacking knowledge at that point. You're taking that corporate mindset and you're taking exactly the same of what you know, because it's comfort and it's it's been true before. You work extra hard every month and you get paid. You work 60 hours a month and you get paid. Like negate the fact that if you work 30 hours a month, you'd still get paid. But mm-hmm. that's kind of where your brain's at. So when you leave the safety of a corporate role and you take it onto yourself, you're like, well, I was working 60 hours anyway. If I do that now... I'll still get paid. (laughs) Yeah. It's also the mindset that if I work more, I earn more. Yes. And that's not necessarily true. Mm. Yes, not necessarily. So 
I would argue, and it's it's such a tricky conversation because if you work more hours that you are getting paid for, then yes, you work more hours, you get paid more. But when you're running a business, working more hours doesn't mean that you're getting paid for those hours that you're working. There is a lot of time as business owners that technically we are not in the traditional sense getting paid for. That's where we need to make sure that our pricing accommodates the hours that we need to spend on our business so that we are getting paid for them. But if anything, if you haven't done that maths and haven't set your pricing for your client to help cover the other work that you do as a business owner, working more hours is actually helping you get paid less because yeah and and that's exactly what I was going to say is that it's the knowing your worth and the charging your worth so when I started I was 50% less than what I charge now and still in my in in my industry if you look at I hate this expression and I apologize if you look at industry standard I am average as to what most VAs online businesses Canva training people would charge But when I first started, I was working double the hours, but earning half the money because I wasn't charging my worth because I was just keen to prove myself and to prove I could do it and to build up my portfolio of experience so that people could see I'm capable of doing this. Whereas now there's no I used to negotiate on prices and there's none of that now. This is my price. This is what I charge. You know, if it's if it's a massive project, then I'll do a payment plan for someone. But. I'm not reducing my, I've had someone recently who came to me and said, this is what I want. I gave them my price. This, this is a bit high for me. Maybe you, you know, change it in the future or can negotiate rates. Maybe I'll work with you. And I said, this is my rate. If you want less, go find someone that charges less. This is what I charge. Whereas I wouldn't have done that at the start. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I, I went through this. There's been a couple of episodes recently. I did one with Paula where we talked about uh, negotiating your pricing. So setting your pricing. And I did a brilliant episode with Emphis, which was about uh, the dangers of discounting. And I think, again, that's a common trend that I experience and I have seen with others that you kind of it's just such a tricky space because I think that you feel like you have so much to prove whether it's to yourself or to others you know it's kind of it doesn't matter it's irrelevant who you're trying to prove it to but because of that we still have that mindset of in the corporate world if you work more you get recognized more which means that there is a potential for more money to come through in um, recognition bonuses or promotions or bonuses that kind of thing but that's not how it works in the business world if you want a promotion then you can't really get higher than the head of the head of your company (laughs) so it's not really we need to reframe everything that we've been taught through our working lives yeah it's a learned behavior isn't it and it's changing that learned behavior Mm. yeah it's, it's a learned behavior and a learned perception and that's perception can be super hard to shift because I feel like changing our perspective can only happen through having experience of an alternative because otherwise like you don't know what you don't know and when you start out no one teaches you this is how you run a business here's here's your manual on how to do it especially in an industry such as VAs and online business managers it's not regulated so there's no I mean, you should have insurance, you should be covered against data protection, you should have antivirus, but there's no nothing to say you have to have this in order to, to operate and to run a business. Yeah, yeah. And even if there are, like everyone's businesses are different. There are fundamentals that you will probably need, such as, like you were saying, insurance, contracts, like legal documentation 
that protects you as a business owner and the clients that you're choosing to work with and any other individuals that you're choosing to work with on like an outsourcing or employment basis. But you don't necessarily know that. Everything else is up for grabs. You don't need social media. You don't need email. You don't need a website. You don't need to network. You don't need to, you don't need to do any, there are no other tick boxes. It's that, it's that word, there's nothing you should do. It's what works for you. Yeah. The only tick boxes, I think, are legal ones. And even then, people seem to think that those are optional, which, hey, you know, yeah, fine. <laughs> um, cool. So we've talked a little bit about how you moved away from employment and yours was very much a phone call. And how did you notice, which was very similar to my journey as well. So I empathise hugely with how that felt. I would love to know, like, after you had handed in your notice, did you have an instant feeling of relief that continued or did you have a feeling of relief? And then like you've talked about kind of what you did and what you were thinking about moving forward, but how did it feel? Did you, did you have a moment of what have I done? Or was it just thank fuck for that? <laughs> so the initial feeling felt like there was a massive weight just lifted off my shoulders. The the relief and the feeling of the stress just fizzling away was lush but that was very quickly followed by panic and shit and what have I done and what do I do next and how do I run a business and can I make enough money and what happens if I don't what what next and you know what you always think of the what if and you're never gonna know unless you try so I took a massive leap of faith as I said we had no savings I was the main breadwinner and I had no plan <laughs> it was literally nothing. It was just I just have to change and I have to do it now. And as you know, especially from the last episode, I am a massive planner. Planning makes me feel safe. So to jump into something without a plan is terrifying. And there is no other way. To, it is terrifying. But if you don't take a leap of faith and you don't take a jump, you're never going to know. If it doesn't work out, that's fine. Do something else. But how do you know unless you try? So, yeah, it, it was a huge sense of relief, but it was quickly followed by many, many, many other thoughts. <laughs> but do you know what? Now it was 100 percent the right decision. And people always say to me because they know how passionate I was about my previous role. They say to me, do you miss it? Absolutely not. I, I miss nothing about it. It's the right decision for me and the right decision for my business, for my family, for my life. And there are you know as with any business owner there are days when I'm like oh maybe I should just get a job we all have those days where we're like oh there's a bit crap today or it's not going well or business is a bit quiet like oh maybe I should take the easy way out but no never never I'm unemployable I kind of feel like getting a job now after being self-employed for any period of time where you have found your feet with it a little bit is not the easy way out I feel like that is a perception that is had by people who have not necessarily run a business or run a business that has actually worked for them to some degree. I think that when I first left my job, it would have been the easy option to get another job for about six months. Mm. And then I would say that after that, I began to find my rhythm and I was seeing the benefits and feeling and experiencing the benefits that weren't just, they definitely weren't income related because six months later, COVID <laughs> had hit, but like, it had hit that point where I was like, this is, this can really be something special. And this can really afford me the life that I never thought that I could have only because I didn't know it existed. So it was interesting. So at that point, the easy way out in air quotes 
was not getting another job that sounded so difficult going back into an environment where I wasn't I didn't have the flexibility I was having to commute again I wasn't able to prioritize my mental and physical well-being I didn't have the time to spend with my family that I had been losing out on all that time so like yeah I think that it's it's funny isn't it that the easy way out for one person like just get a job it's easy and you're like that sounds like literally the hardest thing to do. Yeah, the most, the hardest thing, the most stressful thing, the most overwhelming thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, when, as you said, when you get to a certain point in your business, I think you, to a point, you become unemployable. And it's not because you can't play nicely with others. It's because you've got to see what's on the other side. And you've got to see the potential of it and what could flourish. The only caveat I would add to that is that I'm not saying that you, you can't, suddenly go back and get another job I would say that it is always an absolutely feasible option and I also am a huge advocate that if you need to get part-time work to help subsidize your business during difficult times or anything like that it makes perfect sense and it's it is very much an individual thing I just want yeah like I just feel like that label of the easy way out because it's something that I've experienced recently in a couple of conversations it's just like it's not that easy yeah yeah I agree (laughs) um cool so we've talked a little bit around some of the challenges that you faced in setting up your business and how you started it but are there any successes along the way that have really taken you by surprise where you're like my goodness I wasn't expecting that to happen yeah I think there's been a couple of successes you know there's things that I've always wanted uh to do like mentoring people because I've done mentoring in previous roles and I love it because it's supporting and helping people where my business has taken a pivot in that direction and I've also been like there's certain stuff that's just been really cool like being a guest speaker on like global summits I mean if someone's come and asked me to speak at their global summit how cool is that I mean that's awesome and the fact that when I very first started my business I always said I wanted to reduce my day so I wanted to drop down to four days a week within two years and eventually I wanted to drop to three days a week and I found it really interesting recently that I was um oh yeah another cool thing co-author in a published book yeah me I'm an author I know that's again that's been a lifelong thing and now I am and what I found really interesting when I was reading the book and I read my chapter was that it talked about when I wrote it it said eventually I would like to get down to four days a week by the time the book was published and I read it I'd gone down to four days a week I'd reached that goal that milestone which I hadn't reached when I had written the chapter months and months before so it's setting those little things that you think oh this is a pipe dream I'm never going to be able to earn a full-time salary and work part-time well you can depending on how you grow your business and how you pivot yourself that's why I grow a team I love the fact that I have a team they they're all self-employed and run their own businesses and they are associates but I love the fact that I grow a team and I can support them and I can grow my business without putting extra strain on me and taking away that initial why so when it comes to some of those opportunities that have come up for you like co-authoring writing a book contributing a chapter to a book and the global summit speakers and other speaking opportunities that you've come across someone who's starting out might be like how that just (laughs) sounds like so far away from where I am now and I'd love to know kind of from your experience how have you found that those opportunities have either you've discovered them or they've kind of made themselves known to you 
So there's a couple of factors to this. One of the key things for me was, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, was my rebrand. So my original branding was uh, very corporate, very straight laced. I call it very vanilla. It wasn't me. I, I'm very much not that. I'm out there in your face. I love unicorns, glitter and cats and like the word fuck. And it, yeah, if that doesn't resonate with you, we're probably not going to fit. But it was when I rebranded and I started to communicate with my true voice as to how I talk and how I communicate and I was completely open and transparent that what you see is what you get if you if you like me and we get on then we'll we'll probably make a great match if I'm not your cup of tea that's cool there'll be someone else that is and when I started uh, I had my rebrand and I started communicating as me it then started to attract not only my ideal client but the opportunities I was looking for because people could see that I was being authentic and I was being true. And I'm a little bit different from most VAs and online business managers. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit more out there than some of them perhaps. And that resonated with people. So the branding part was key to that. But then the other part was I made the decision that I wanted to speak on podcasts and I wanted to write guest blogs and I wanted the opportunity to to have these speaking opportunities because one it pushes me out of my comfort zone and I think you do need to push yourself out of your comfort zone to grow and two it was a new challenge but I also I like talking I think you can tell I like talking so why would you why would you not want to just you know talk and appear and you know improve you know the the openness of your business so I actively went and looked for those opportunities and I make it a goal that I I try and do one a month whether it's a guest blog or whether it's a podcast interview or whether it's you know speaking or doing a training uh, workshop I actively go out and seek those and now because my marketing is more consistent with my newsletter and my social media and other channels that I use people now see and actively come out and seek me as well but it's taken a long time to get to that point of building up and being consistent and being authentic yeah absolutely we'll talk a little bit about your branding in a bit there's one other thing that I just want to touch on before we dive into kind of that branding refresh for you and it's kind of related so I'm assuming that there's going to be a bit of an overlap but when we're talking about business uh how businesses have changed over that time because how long have you been running your business now in two and a half years two and a half years so when you started out like we were saying yours was very it was quite a corporate feel to it you were obviously fresh out of corporate we take those habits behaviors and perspectives with us did you find that that was reflected in the clients that you were both seeking and working with and are they different now yeah a hundred percent so when I had a more corporate brand so my previous brand was cornerstone business support which is nice and solid and sturdy and lovely but and it was all blue and yeah corporate and the type of clients I was attracting were corporate clients so they were lawyers and accountants and more traditional business coaches and cleaning companies and stuff like that which they are all really good fantastic companies and they were all great business owners but the type of work I was doing and the type of clients I was attracting was not my ideal it wasn't the stuff that made me happy that I loved doing it was stuff that I could do and I had the experience to do and the knowledge to do so I said yes and I did it but it wasn't I wouldn't start my working day going oh I'm really excited about doing this project you know yeah it didn't make my heart sing whereas when I uh the branding that I have now attracts my 
ideal client much more. I very, very rarely get an inquiry that's not the right fit because I am a massive believer that personality fit as important as skill set. And I, I'm now not afraid to say no to people, whereas before I would never have said no. I have, I, I have, I don't like this term. I've not fired clients, but I have let go of clients and ended the relationship by my choice and my decision because it hasn't been the right fit or it's not turned out where I've made the wrong decision. I'm not afraid to break that now. And I always do it in a way that I'm, it's always, you know, I don't think we're the right fit. However, I have a massive network of VAs um, and online business managers that are all fantastic, all have their own skill set. And I will cross refer and I will match them to someone that I think is a really good fit for them. And I will make an introduction because we all have different skill set. We all have different personality. Whereas before, I would never have said no to someone or I never would have ended a contract. You know, I'd be like, oh, that's, you know, you can't say no. You can't. I, but it's my business. I can do what I want. And I do what's right for me and for the client. If I think that because that relationship doesn't quite bond and I perhaps can't do as good a job because of that, then I'll recommend them on to someone that can. Perfect. So when you first started, the clients that you were getting, were those the clients that you were intentionally seeking? This is the bit that I, I'm really curious about. So when I first started, the, the interesting thing is, I and you are one of these people that gave me this advice and I ignored it. <laughs> my bad. That's <laughs> I didn't niche. So because my experience was so wide when I started, I offered so many different services so broad that when people come to me it's because they need something done it's not so much that I'm known for a specific thing or with the right fit it's that they know I can do the task and I'm a practical person so I was attracting clients that just needed help and support in a traditional sense whereas now it's very different and it attracts my tone of voice my branding my everything attracts my ideal client and the type of projects I want to work with but it's also because I have now niched I resisted niching for about I don't know a year year and a half probably um and everyone said oh you've got a niche you've got a niche you've got a niche and I was afraid of niching because I was afraid that I would alienate potential customers if I niched and I would lose you know potential earnings so I resisted and you told me to niche and business coaches told me to niche and mentors that I worked with told me to niche and I ignored them I was like no can't do it I'm too I was too afraid it was pushing me too far out of my comfort zone and then when I rebranded I then started to niche my services more and as I niched it attracted more of the work like 99.9% of the work I do now I love it and I can't wait to do it I have worked this afternoon for a couple of clients and I'm really excited to work on it and it's because I've niched down and the benefit of it is and my website and all of my branding reflects this is that because I've now niched down yes it attracts the ideal clients but it also makes the clients that aren't the right fit they look at it and go this isn't for me and they'll go and find someone else that is the right fit and that's a good thing I mean I think sometimes it's seen as a bad thing that you might scare off potential clients but they're just not the right ones for you yeah absolutely and like niching and marketing marketing is there to both attract and repel 
like that's how it works that's what it's for and it can repel people who are not a good personality fit it can repel people who don't have the right budget for you and a lot of the attention when it comes to niching is what you're losing rather than what you're gaining Um, and one of the reframes that I have for anyone out there who's like niching I don't want to niche I don't want to niche because I'm limiting my options if you reframe it and think about niching not as I am only offering these services to these people but think of niching as focus. So I am focusing on offering these services to these people. It feels less kind of limiting because you can still offer anything that you want. It's your business. You can still offer everything to anyone if you want to. But the two benefits of niching is one, focus on the work that you enjoy and focus on promoting that more because that is likely to then lead to the work that you're getting without having to say no to everything if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. And the other th- reason to niche, and one of the easiest way that I can explain why niching is beneficial, is if someone was to recommend you to someone else in one sentence, what would they say? And that is what the niching really, that really does come into its own. So either how would you want someone to describe you to someone else or what are the key people are just Google? What are the key words that people hear and th- and that you want them to go? I know a person for that. So for me now, building up what I'm doing is much more around podcasts. So podcast strategy or podcast specialism or brand within podcasts. But the key word there is oh, I need to know about podcasts. Oh, you should talk to Tammy. And for you, if it's kind of like, oh, I really need someone who just gets me and loves the glitter. I want a glittery admin support or I want a glittery VA or whatever it is. Or I want, I'm I'm a VA and I really need a mentor. Oh, talk to Kate. Like it's, it's making it that easy that with two or three words, someone understands what you're about. None of this kind of bollocks that you see on Facebook where it's like, describe yourself in one sentence. And everyone's like, I help people gain confidence and lead a happier life. And it's like, well, yeah, of course you do. But that could be everything from cleaning their kitchen to looking after their pets to doing their branding, to running their bookkeeping for them. Like it's not definitive. Yeah. My my business tagline for podcasts now is making podcasting easy for business owners. It's like, I make podcasting easy for business owners. That's what I do. Business owners who want a podcast, it's easy. This is where we, it's nice and encompassed. So yeah, think about your niche almost like a tagline that you want people to use when they're recommending you and think of it about a focus as opposed to a restriction. And you'll probably find that that feels a little bit more soft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, slight tangent. And like Kate, you too can ignore this advice at your own freedom. <laughs> Don't take as long to get to it as I did. <laughs> no, honestly, I went through it when I literally, again, everything that you're saying, I think I feel like my my business journey has mirrored it to some degree. When I left, my first website that I created for my business had a list of absolutely everything that I had ever been involved in. It wasn't just like print design and graphic design. It was print design and graphic design and social design and digital design and game board design and digital avatars and GIFs and, oh my goodness, websites and like literally everything listed out. And it was overwhelming for me to look at, let alone anyone else. And it's like, no one's going to ever dig through that because I'm not making it simple enough for them to go, oh, you need a poster? Talk to Tammy. (laughs) 
there you go talk to Tammy that's kind of the level that you want to get down to you just want to make the buying process as easy and straightforward as possible yes and also the recommendation process if you can make your referral process so easy that as soon as someone says a keyword that is associated with what you do and your name is associated with that that's just a magical machine there Because any networking event, any random conversation that isn't business related, anything that they come across during their content consumption during the day that prompts them to get in touch with you because you've been meaning to think about that for a while now and your name is what's associated with it, like the benefits are just huge. So Yeah, and I had that today. Someone was in a a networking group on Facebook and said, "I, I really need help with Canva. Is there someone that can spend time giving me some training for an hour and three people tagged me saying Kate does one-to-one training absolutely and it can be multiples as well because I know that if someone's just like I just I I don't get on with my VA you know I love unicorns and they don't you're like talk to Kate like it can be personality connections as well as business I have a client that hired me because I'm a cat lady yeah I've had clients hire me because of my cats I'm really pleased about it it's it's that whole people like people and building no like and trust and a lot of that common connection is just so beneficial and it helps skip ahead on so many of those marketing touch points that people usually need to be able to feel comfortable to get in touch because what is it it's now something ridiculous like up to 30 times to see a message they'll get in touch whereas if someone's recommended you one bonus points that skips like 10 touch points And then if you have a common love, passion, problem, whatever else, and not just from a business solution point of view, but hey, you know, I love cats too. I want to work with you. Again, you're skipping ahead 10 or I really like the word fuck too. Yeah, I'm in or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's just negotiating the details. So yeah. Niching everyone. Welcome to this sub episode. (laughs) Cool. Right. Well, let's do it then. Let's dive into your branding. So you've talked a little bit about what your previous business name was, but let's kind of focus on the business that you have now. um, Because I feel like that's kind of more relevant, but feel free to introduce whenever you need to. But can you talk about what it was that helped you choose your business name how did you settle on cherry blossom management so for me um there's a couple of reasons for cherry blossom management cherry blossoms are one of my favorite tree i even have like a cat tattooed under one on my arm that's how much i love them so they were my safe space when i was a child i used to go and sit under the cherry blossoms and sketch for hours and that was my happy place so that was my first motivation but my second motivation was i wanted something that felt a little more feminine because I love working with women and empowering women so my previous branding was probably very masculine and as a result most of my clients were men whereas now it's flipped and it's the other way around it's it's more feminine it's more me because I am a girly girl you know I like shiny stuff and you know pretty things and when I chose the cherry blossom as well as the fact of the safe place and the happy place and the femininity of it was that cherry blossom in Japanese culture um, represents renewal and it represents um, appreciating the fleeting nature of life and focusing on joy and happiness within your life. So I've tied it into my branding and the fact that for me, 
what I do for my clients is I want them to focus on the aspects of their business that they love, that makes their heart sing, that really brings them joy. And then me and my team will take care of the rest for them so that they can focus on the joy and happiness, which then ties in with the cherry blossom. I absolutely love that. I love a name that's got a lot of um, depth to it. And I remember when you were going through this process that we had several conversations and understanding truly what it was that it kind of meant and how it worked and how it aligned so beautifully with the not only the values but also the literal benefits of of working with you office like that time back and experiencing joy um through the time that you have saved what about the more practical side where you went for management because you started this off as a VA you had intentions of growing a team but essentially there was always going to be a bit of flex and I think with any business there's always a bit of flex so why was it management that you settled on which is still quite a I don't know quite a masculine word I feel so uh, we me and you had so many brainstorming sessions over this and you helped me massively with the finalization of the name because I looked at like services and I looked at outsourcing and I looked at delegation and I also at the time was doing comparison and looking at what were other people in the industry called and how were they representing themselves whereas now I don't do comparison at all and I was trying to find a word that encompasses not only the services that I was currently offering at that time and what I did but I was looking to the future and where I wanted my business to be and how I wanted it to grow and the outsourcing and delegating services just didn't cover that because not only do I uh, look after you know processes within a client's business but I help manage their team I help plan and do strategy for the future I manage a team of associates as well and I mentor and I wanted the name to encompass all of what I was going to be growing into and the the management aspect then gave me that opportunity that if I divulge or I do different branches or you know of different services it would encompass all of that without me having to do a rebrand because I felt I'd found the the brands that I wanted to and I wanted to stick to that for life and it gave me that opportunity to grow into it yeah absolutely I think that it's very I always think that it's a wise choice to to have kind of definition but also flexibility in that in that word when you're using it so I think for me using creative instead of design was one of the best decisions that I made and I'm sure that similar to you I'm so glad that I didn't restrict my business name but still gave it guidance and structure so it's still relevant but it can expand as as I need to, as you need to. And it's obviously served you well now that it's more of a, you have so many different services, even though they are still quite focused, (laughs) niched, (laughs) to support your clients in a particular way. So that's really cool. Let's let's talk about your rebrand because like spoilers, listeners, Kate worked with me on her rebrand, but not in the usual way. This isn't where you outsource your rebrand to me. So could you share kind of in your own words, the process that you went to? Maybe if you could start with why you decided that your visual identity needed to change, which you've already touched on a little bit, and then why 
the particular solution that you went for felt right for you? So the reason I originally chose three brand was that my brand didn't it didn't sit right with me. It didn't feel like it represented me. It felt like it represented some of my services that I could do, but it didn't feel like it was represented me as a person. You know, it was very straight laced, very corporate. And as you've probably got the vibes from this podcast, that is not me in the slightest. (laughs) I felt that it fitted a box and it suited a purpose when I started, but I very quickly outgrew that. I outgrew the branding, I outgrew the services I was offering, I outgrew the type of clientele I was aiming for. So I wanted a brand that not only represented me, but it represented what I could be. It represented my personality and it resonated with the type of people I wanted to work with. Because at the time I wasn't, I was, some of the clients were the type of clients I wanted to work with, but the majority of the clients weren't the type of people I wanted to work with and I I like working with I don't have it's not an industry specific because everyone can outsource to a virtual assistant or an online business manager it's a personality fit and it's a value alignment so I'm very purpose-led my business is a purpose-led business I don't just want to earn a profit I want to make a positive difference in this world whether it's on the environment and being more sustainable whether it's having a positive impact in people's lives and adding value to their their lives not just their business it's important to me. So I want to attract people that have the same values as me and have the same culture as me. But I also wanted to work more with women and help women become more empowered in their business and feel more in control and lead the way and be bold and beautiful in their own right. And I wanted to be able to do that. And to do that, my brand needed to be much more feminine. And as a result, I ended up signing on to your course now the thing with your course is the reason I chose to do your build your own brand course as opposed to just delegating it to you was that I'm a massively creative person I love I love creating whether it's creating content and writing or whether it's creating design work or even things with my hands crafts and arts exactly like you I love it I'm a creative person at heart it makes me happy so to be able to have the opportunity to have the guidance from an expert because I wasn't about to go on to Canva and design a logo because that's just it's not about logo. It's there's so many more elements to it. And I didn't have the branding knowledge for that. I knew I needed an expert. I'd obviously known you for many years and followed you and stalked you on social media and been a weird little groupie fan. So when it came to branding, there was no one else I was going to choose. I knew many experts, but you were always going to be the one I wanted to work with. So it was about one being a stalker. It was about two the right being creative but it was also about the right product and uh, fitting into what I had as a disposable budget as well that it made it more affordable for me and it gave me an element of control where I had the opportunity to create and to build this brand and to be involved with it but with the guidance and support of an expert like you uh, which meant that I could then create this really strong brand but I could also learn so it was a learning opportunity for me I then learned what goes into a brand that it's not just your colors and your fonts and your logo it's you know your values and your culture and your voice and all of the other elements to it it gave me an opportunity to learn it which then strengthens my marketing as I've gone on in my business because I understand what building your brand is about and I feel that when people see cherry blossom management they see me or they see my logo or they see my social media it's all encompassing because I've built it up, but without being able to do that course and not just 
getting the opportunity to design it, but actually learn about what goes into it, it's given me the opportunity to strengthen my marketing massively. Makes my heart so happy. <laughs> so yeah, so listeners, I I ran a course last year a couple of times actually where it was live trainings over 10 days so we do like a half hour training session (laughs) who am I kidding it was usually like an hour Uh, like a half hour to 45 minute training session in the morning around different elements of branding and then also teaching design principles on how to create logos in the proper way but using no we used illustrator didn't we We used illustrator yeah yeah. that's right I taught you how to I learned to use I've never used it before yeah taught you how to use illustrator because canva's fine but it's not ideal for branding for various reasons but yeah so we went we walked through it and we spent a lot of time on the brand strategy so we went through the strategy side then we went through the logo creation and then we worked together with like one-to-one sessions so although you and the other members on the course were the ones who created designed the logos yourselves we then have one-to-one sessions just so that we can do a little bit of a run through from like a design principles perspective so if we could tweak it and maybe mix things up a little bit if it needed a little bit more um one of my favorite terms to be brief pop pop it up <laughs> a little bit zhuzh it up <laughs> And then we also went through the process of creating a marketing strategy, didn't we? And tone of voice documents so that you had everything that you needed for your brand. And I'm really pleased to hear how it's kind of served you and to see you still using um, uh, some of the elements that we created in that course and then how you're using them now and how it's grown and developed along with your confidence and almost like settling into the brand yeah it's just been wonderful to see so I'm really really glad like you're you're my biggest success story I think with when it comes to um that branding course it was a lot of fun maybe I should do it again but yeah it's also interesting to hear that because as creative folk who don't necessarily have traditional design training it can be really tricky to know that you have the capabilities to do the creative aspects of design but not knowing the principles and the technical side that's the bit where you can find that you're meeting restrictions that you weren't expecting because you only know what you know so yeah it's I'm glad that that kind of gave you not only the outcome that you were looking for but also it it has proved to serve you well going forward as well. Um, Particularly now that you're doing so much Canva related work as well and doing Canva training workshops and things like that, because you do need to have an understanding of basic design principles in order to be able to create even with Canva. It's just software at the end of the day. It's not the theory and the knowledge behind it. Cool. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've touched on this a few times in this episode already earlier on as well, but I feel like it's much more aligned with who you are as a person and it speaks volumes. If there was ever going to be someone that can literally show how a corporate focused brand brings corporate focused clients and a softer brand brings in more aligned clients, I think that you are the perfect case study for it. Yeah, if you compared my my client list and project list of what I used to do before and after, it is night and day. It's it's absolutely insane. And to think that you're still the same individual across both those businesses, you are still the constant, but it's focusing on the different 
it's focusing and embracing the personality traits that you want to exude and attract so yeah absolutely fascinating and I'm so glad that I got a chance to share this with the listeners (laughs) because it's it's easy to sit there and say your brand influences the people that you get but it's hard to see it without the example so yeah yeah and it it absolutely does you know my my client list before was you know very corporate the, the traditional business coaches and the accountants and the solicitors whereas now I still have some of those clients but I also work with really creative people I work with a graphic designer and I work with uh, a web developer that does really amazing um, websites and I work with a you know a coach but she's like an intuitive and a woman's confidence coach and mm. I work with just the most wonderful fun people that have also they've turned into friends now it's it's that it's building that relationship of people that are just are in your tribe yeah absolutely and I, I the last bit that I'm going to point with this as well before we kind of move on is that it's absolutely apparent that having a more masculine brand has attracted more of a masculine client list for you and a much more feminine brand has very much leaned into that feminine um, kind of link in supporting women so it it really does I cannot stress this enough it your visual identity can have such a fundamental impact on the clients and the work that are coming to you it just it really really does make the difference um so it's definitely if you're sat there going oh well maybe now I see why most of my clients are x y and z when actually I want them to be a b and c have a look at your visuals because it may be that that is giving out the messaging that you don't work with certain clients or that you want to work with others so yeah absolutely thank you so much for sharing that Kate cool 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 so you've talked a little bit around how your brand has influenced your business but did you find that after doing that rebrand what was the kind of mindset shifts that you had did you find that it had a notable noticeable effect on how you thought and looked at your business like and how you saw it going in the future or was it just that I feel much more comfortable now and I'm happier with my clients it, it definitely had that shift because before where my brand didn't feel like me I wasn't I wasn't proud to show it off and to shout about it and to share about it. And therefore, I didn't go out and seek those opportunities that may be beneficial for me, for my business and stuff that I like doing. I was much more almost introverted as a business, whereas now I have a branding that I love and I will share and shout from the rooftops. And, you know, when people see it, they they link it with me and with some of the stuff I do. But it's a it's a brand I'm proud of. So I now share it and I. I want to shout about it and I want to show it to the world. And that is then reflected in my mindset of I'm much more confident in my business that I'm not afraid to go out there and share. I'm not afraid to go and seek opportunities and talk about it because I'm proud of what I have. I'm proud of what I've grown and what I've achieved because it not only represents me and my team and my values, it's me as a person as well as me as a business owner. So it's directly influenced that. And it's it's just... It's one of the best decisions. There are two best decisions in business, three best decisions. One is rebranding, best decision. Two was delegating and growing a team. Delegating has changed my business so much. And the other one is being strong with my boundaries. They are my three best decisions in my business. I love that. Maybe make the top three. I might. Wow. Well, one, thank you. How incredible is that? Oh, bless you. That's really sweet. <laughs> and the second 
best decision in your business I think that that might have to be a new question that I include into my podcast because the next questions that we've got are kind of around your favorites and and different elements of your business but I love that idea of what's the best decision that you've made in or for your business I'm gonna write that down now is open listeners you'll probably hear when we recorded this episode in relation to any of the others that are coming out because this <laughs> this question all suddenly rock up so yeah thanks for that Kate that's wonderful so yeah let's talk a little bit around kind of your favorite aspects of your business and then we can wrap up this episode and go rushing to your website to have a little look so um what would you say is your favorite part of your business so being entrepreneur I still I'm still not comfortable saying that using air quotes around entrepreneur (laughs) I will get comfortable saying it I being an entrepreneur I like doing many things and I like variety it makes me happy so the elements within my business that I love the most are kind of it's threefold so one is the mentoring I absolutely love mentoring new VAs because I've had mentors, I've had coaches, and I know that the value in what they can bring is invaluable and the the support and the knowledge they can share. So I love the fact that I can offer that and support and guide new VAs into the industry and just give them that helping hand for the first few months of their business. The second element is the design work that we've touched on. Anything Canva related, I love. And I've, I've done things from social media graphics to presentations for big corporates to, you know, reports and marketing material. Now, when someone comes to me for design work, I make it very clear that I'm a creative virtual assistant and online business manager. I can create you wonderful things within Canva. However, if you want something really high-end and graphic design, I will refer you on to a graphic designer. I am not, and not by any means, a graphic designer. So I'm always really clear and manage their expectations and what they're looking for. But I love Canva design. Canva is my favourite, whether I'm training people on it, whether it's a workshop one-to-one or creating on it. I absolutely love Canva. And then the third aspect that I really love within my business is the transformation that I provide to when a business owner comes to me and they're overwhelmed and they're stressed and they're working evenings and they're working weekends and they're never seeing their spouse and their children and they're never having any time for them and they're so overwhelmed and then within a few weeks a month a couple of months the transformation when I get an email saying I don't work evenings and weekends anymore my wife wants to say thank you because we actually get to spend time together and we went out for a date or another client emailed me saying I took my first holiday in two years because you've given me the opportunity to be able to do that not only for the time back but the headspace to be able to do it I love the transformation that I can give someone and the difference I can genuinely make in their life by them just delegating just a little bit and just releasing releasing the stress releasing the burden and and sharing it that transformation when I get those emails it just makes my heart sing oh bless it sounds wonderful doesn't it I think the transformation is what we live for because you really see the impact that the work that you do and support with can really have on others whether it's in their business like hearing the impact that our work together had for you and your business is just all the warm fuzzy feelings and then the when you get those kind of messages from clients and you're just like oh man like the the time that I've put into working with you has had so much more of an impact beyond those hours which is why the whole time for money doesn't work because yeah it's not about, oh, I work with you for an hour and I get an hour in exchange. It's it's so much more than that. So, yeah, 
<laughs> we do ourselves a disservice when it's just like oh you can pay me for x number of hours because actually so much it's so much bigger than that yeah 100% amazing and my last question for you today other than your your kind of key bit of advice would be like what has been your favorite or most effective marketing method for growing your business hardest question you've asked for me I would say networking because although I'm consistent on social media and I do blogs and newsletters and all of that jazz that's part of marketing for me networking and getting to know people and building those connections and building those relationships because it's not just about the business it's about the person behind the business I want to get to know you just as much as your business because when I know more about you I can understand more about your business and how you like to work and therefore I can support you better so for me networking is by far the best marketing aspect because not only do you build those connections but then most of my business comes from referrals because people have got to know me and therefore they are happy to refer me yeah absolutely I think the networking especially given the fact that we met at networking I find that that's quite a nice way to come around Kate and I met at networking so like listeners if you're familiar with any of the other episodes I am desperately not a morning person but when I was working corporate as well so when I was working full-time alongside running my business I was trying to find networking events that I could attend literally either side of the working day so I do evening ones and I do morning ones like early morning and as someone who is not (laughs) not an early morning person like I went to a few that started like half six I think we met at one that started at half six in the morning yeah we did my goodness and neither of us are morning people so that was interesting (laughs) now like I think my usual wake-up time is between like eight and half eight and then like, I get to my desk for about 10-ish and I'll start my day properly at maybe like quarter past 10 to half 10. And then like thinking back to that poor girl who was like traipsing along, suited and booted for a flipping, not an actual suit, but like smartly dressed in heels for like 6 30 in the morning where you have to be awake enough to already hold a conversation by the time you rock up mm-hmm. oh my goodness I'm just grateful that they supplied the coffee like <laughs> likewise <laughs> and then having to go and do a full day of work and then doing client work afterwards I have no idea how I did it <laughs> and it's, I think it's insane when you look back at stuff like that and think how the hell did I did I do that and survive yes and do you know what? It wasn't that long ago, but I still feel like it's my old age coming up. <laughs> or I'm just, I'm just like, you know what? I'm like the other side of mid thirties nearly. And I'm just, mm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling it now where I'm just like, what do you mean that you want to go out for a drink at eight in the evening? Like, mm-hmm. admittedly, I stay up gaming until like two in the morning, but like, hey, that's at home with tea and cats different you're in your comfort zone yeah right so yeah I'm eternally grateful that we met at networking and I'm so glad that we've both had such a big impact and influence on each other's businesses and also as business owners like our friendship as well has just been wonderful so thank you so much for sharing your time with me today I really do appreciate it let's wrap up the episode by your last key piece of advice so from everything that you've experienced in your business journey if there's anyone out there that's relating to it or is in a situation where you were when you were in your corporate role what would be the piece of advice that you'd want to pass on to them I would say that it would be to stop procrastinating stop 
worrying, stop stressing and take that leap of faith. Be brave. You have got nothing to lose in taking a leap of faith if it doesn't work out. There's always plan B and plan C and plan D, but you will never know unless you try. Brilliant. Absolutely. And it's terrifying, but you will never be on your own for it. And there will never, you won't be, what if, what if, what if. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. How much time, how much more time do you think you're wasting going rounding circles about whether you should do it than if you just kind of did it and then worked it out afterwards? Absolutely. Hmm. Hmm. Listeners, a challenge for you. <laughs> um. Awesome. So, right, Kate, let's wrap this up because uh, I feel like we could talk forever and probably will as soon as we stop recording. So um, where can the listeners find more of you online? So they can find me on Instagram or they can find me on my fabulous website. Both are Cherry Blossom Management. Perfect. So thank you for sharing your story with us today. As always, listeners, all of the links will be in the show notes. So if you'd like to see more of Kate and her work and her wonderful website and branding, be sure to check out those links. And if you're enjoying this podcast, I ask that you tell just one other person about the brand lounge or maybe pop over to Apple and leave a little five star review for us. Um, It really does help the podcast to grow and it means that I can continue bringing you new episodes and guests every week. So until next time, head over to the links in the show notes to find us to continue the conversation and we will see you in the brand lounge.